Unexpected successful investments happen all the time. Some of these were only bubbles that faded after a while, leading the same millionaires they made to financial ruins, like the tulip mania back in 1600s Netherlands. But some survived the status of fads and continued to be successful, such as baseball cards. While some other investments still need to prove they can survive the test of time, such as cryptocurrency. I know a lot of financial experts are going to laugh at me. I know cryptocurrency is the future of money, but I'm still waiting for more assurances. But anyway, that's not what today's episode is all about. Today's episode is about a hobby that turns some of its hobbyists into millionaires. We're talking about collecting baseball cards here. And if you've played your cards right, who knows, you might be one of the lucky ones that turned a baseball card collecting hobby into a fortune. Welcome to a new Word Power episode. I'm your host, Danny, and this is English Plus Podcast. We will talk about playing your baseball cards right in today's episode, and we will learn 10 new words in context. Let me tell you about these words to whet your appetite a little bit, and then we will start with the story. Today's keywords are steadfast, unwary, plum, transfigure, inquit, variable, pristine, indelible, vi, and akin. Interested yet? Of course you are. But before we start, there's one more thing I would like to tell you about. I would like to remind you that you can practice everything you're going to learn in today's episode on the website EnglishPlusPodcast.com. The link in the show notes will take you to the custom post I created for this episode that includes interactive activities for those of you who like doing everything digitally online. And for those of you who prefer paper, there's a PDF practice worksheet with fun exercises that will not only check your understanding of today's episode, but it will also contain a part where you can review the previous four word power episodes. Trust me, your vocabulary bank will flourish if you practice and you will be able to express yourself better with every new word you learn from English Plus Podcasts Word Power episodes. And for those of you who want more, you can become a patron of the show on Patreon. There's a link to my Patreon page in the show notes that you can go to and support English Plus Podcast and me as a content creator. And in return, our entire learning community will be grateful, but that's not all. You will also get exclusive access to premium audio series, free coupons to my upcoming online courses, full access to all upcoming video series, which I will talk more about next week, but I promise they're going to be exciting and useful, and more benefits are added all the time. Don't forget the link is in the show notes. And now, without further ado, let's start with our story for today, Playing Your Baseball Cards Right. It's a peaceful summer afternoon in the late 1950s, and sounds of Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly wail from almost new portable radios. In yards and on street corners, young boys and maybe a few girls take packs of rubber-banded cards from their pockets. Flipping thin cardboard in regular competitions, they maintain a steadfast hope of winning a Willie Mays or a Mickey Mantle from an unwary friend. Today, those same boys and girls have grown up, and they plumb attics and basements for the shoe boxes that house their baseball cards. 
Once the pastime of grade school kids, collecting baseball cards has become a big business, and gleeful hobbyists have been transfigured into serious-minded investors. The first mass-produced baseball cards were issued in the 1880s. They were sold with everything from gum to dog food. The publisher's inchoate notions of what the cards should contain seem rather peculiar today. These early cards bore little resemblance to current laser-printed collectibles. Lacking biography or statistics on the back, they sported only a studio photograph of a player swinging at a ball suspended on a string. These earliest cards are not as valuable as most people think, with only a few exceptions. Yesterday's players fall short of both the flashiness and the records of more current stars. Furthermore, although the early cards meet the demands of age and rarity, they usually lack an important variable in determining worth condition. Pristine cards are straight out of the package perfect. Sharp corners, crisp edges, and brilliant colors. Even the tiniest defect indelibly labels a card as damaged goods. A card handled but not abused commands only 20 to 30% of the price of one in mint condition. Shoe boxes have given way to specially designed holders to offer protection from the elements. Although governed by laws of supply and demand, the business of collecting is very complicated. The star quality of the player has to be factored in. As collectors and dealers vie for choice merchandise, they speculate on players' futures. Rookie cards of players who were later elected to the Hall of Fame are thus among the most valuable. The cards of power hitters do better than those of other players. Pitchers are the biggest risk of all because they are always in danger of career-threatening arm injuries. Originally a simple hobby with few rules, baseball card collecting and investing today depend on monthly price guides, computer programs, and dealer shows. Putting money into baseball cards is akin to speculating on the stock market. There is no guarantee that the investment will maintain even a faint reflection of the cost. Baseball cards enthusiasts agree, however, that it is better to be stuck with a collection of their favorite heroes than with a bunch of equally worthless stock certificates. So, that was about playing your baseball cards right. I hope you learned a thing or two that you didn't know about, especially when it comes to collecting baseball cards. And now we're going to start talking about the 10 words I told you about. Let me remind you again. These words are steadfast, unwary, plum, transfigure, inchoate, variable, pristine, indelible, vi, and akin. But before I tell you about the meaning of the words and how we can use them, as I usually do, there is this little game we're playing where I ask you the question, give you four options, and then you can pause the episode, think about it, and give the answer. And of course, I will give you the right answer. Let's start right away with the very first word, steadfast. Now, let me remind you first how we use this word in context. We said flipping thin cardboard in regular competitions, they maintain a steadfast hope of winning a Willie Mays or a Mickey Mantle from an unwary friend. Well, which word or words could best replace steadfast in this context? Can we replace it with half-hearted, unnecessary, steady, or disorderly? Think about it, and I'll be back with the answer. <laughs> 
For those of you who chose steady, you're absolutely right. And now let me tell you a little bit more about the word. But what is steadfast? If someone is steadfast in something that they are doing, they are convinced that what they are doing is right and they refuse to change it or to give up. That is when you are steadfast. Now, of course, here we're talking about a bunch of kids trading baseball cards and stuff, but they maintain the steadfast hope of winning a Willie Mays or a Mickey Mantle, some of the best baseball cards ever. So steadfast is a word that means resolute, firm, fast, or fixed. That's our first word. And by the way, it is spelled S-T-E-A-D-F-A-S-T. That is steadfast. That is our first word. Congratulations to all who guessed the right meaning. And now, let's move on to talk about the next word. Unwary. U-N-W-A-R-Y. And we use this word in the same context we used steadfast in. We said flipping thin cardboard in regular competitions, they maintain a steadfast hope of winning a Willie Mays or a Mickey Mantle from an unwary friend. So here, what do we mean when we say unwary friend? Someone who is unwary could be best described as what? Lacking caution, forgetful, careful, or disorganized. Think about it, and I'll be right back with the answer. For those of you who chose lacking caution, you're absolutely right. That's the right meaning of unwary. If you describe someone as unwary, you mean that they are not cautious or experienced and are therefore likely to be harmed or deceived. And this is exactly what happens. Remember when we were kids and we knew something was more valuable than other things like cards or whatever. And some of our friends, they were kind of ignorant. And let's face it, let's admit that we all took advantage of that at some point. Of course, it was an innocent thing to do because we wanted this card. You don't know the value of this card as I do, so I will get it. I'll take it from your hand. And by the way, I'm not talking about bullying, right? I'm talking about doing it fair and square. But the point is, the word is unwary for those people who don't know the real value of what they have. These people are not cautious, they're not experienced, and are therefore likely to be harmed or deceived. So, that is our second word, unwary. Now, let's move on and talk about the third word, plumb. P-L-U-M-B. First, let's take a look at how we use that word in context. We said, today, those same boys and girls have grown up and they plumb attics and basements for the shoe boxes that house their baseball cards. So, what do you think plumb means? Which word or words could best replace plumb in this context? Can we say escape from, measure, treat thoughtlessly, or examine closely? Think about it, and I'll be right back with the answer. Now, for those of you who thought examine closely is the right answer, that's absolutely right. It is the right answer. And what is the word again? It's plumb, P-L-U-M-B. Remember how we used it in context. We said today those same boys and girls have grown up and they plumb attics and basements for the shoeboxes that house their baseball cards. So if you plumb something mysterious or difficult to understand, you succeed in understanding it. But how do you do that? By examining this thing closely. That's the meaning of plumbing. Now, of course, in our context, it doesn't have to do with succeeding in understanding what the baseball cards are all about. But 
examining closely the baseball card collection that you have to see if any of those cards has real value. That is the meaning of plumbing in this context. I hope you understand the word now, and now you can add it to your active vocabulary bank. But don't forget, the key thing is to practice these words, and I've got everything you need in the custom post I created for this episode, the link in the show notes. When you're done listening to the episode, please take the link and take your English with it to the next level. And now let's move on and talk about the next word, transfigure. T-R-A-N-S-F-I-G-U-R-E. Transfigure. How do we use that word in context? We said once the pastime of great school kids collecting baseball cards has become big business and gleeful hobbyists have been transfigured into serious-minded investors. So the word is transfigure. How do we use that? We said gleeful hobbyists have been transfigured into serious-minded investors. Now, which word or words could best replace transfigured in this context? Can we use changed, affected negatively, consumed carelessly, or separated? What do you think? Think about it. Try to figure out the answer, and I'll be right back. For those of you who thought changed is the meaning of transfigure, you're absolutely right, because it is. To be transfigured means to be changed into something great or beautiful. Usually, we use the word transfigure not only to talk about change. Now, of course, you can do it just to talk about change. But remember, this word has an extra layer of meaning in it. That means changing for the better, changing into something great or beautiful. Now here, of course, transfiguring into serious-minded investors doesn't have to be beautiful or great, but it is definitely not a change for the worse. So that was our word, transfigure, and it basically means to change. And remember, there's an extra layer of meaning that has to do with changing for the better or changing into something great or beautiful. Now, let's move on and talk about the next word, inchoate. It is spelled I-N-C-H-O-A-T-E, inchoate. How do we use that in context? We said the publisher's inchoate notions of what the cards should contain seem rather peculiar today. So before I tell you what it means, let me ask you first. Now, if something is inchoate, it can best be described as what? As easily irritated, as in an early stage, as geographically close, or as random. Which one is it? Think about it, and I'll be right back with the answer. For those of you who chose in an early stage, you're absolutely right, because that is what inchoate means. If something is inchoate, it is recent or new and vague or not yet properly developed. We're talking about something elementary, immature, or maybe even formless. So here, remember how we use it in context and try to link this meaning to the context. You will understand it better and you will remember it for longer. The publisher's inchoate notions, these notions, these ideas were immature at the time. And those early cards seem rather peculiar today. Why? Because of the publisher's inchoate, immature notions of what the cards should contain. And now that was our word inchoate. That is a new word you should add to your active vocabulary bank. And don't forget to practice these words, right? The link is in the show notes. I keep saying that because it is important. Now let's move on to the next word, variable. It is V-A-R-I-A-B-L-E, variable. 
How do we use that in context? We said, furthermore, although the early cards meet the demands of age and rarity, they usually lack an important variable in determining worth condition. So what do we mean by variable here? I will tell you, but first, I will ask you a question about it. A variable in this context can best be described as what? As a pattern of markings, as a member of a group, as something likely to change, or as one of a series. What do you think? Think about it, try to figure out the answer, and I'll be right back. For those of you who thought something likely to change, you're absolutely right, because that is what variable is all about. A variable is a factor that can change in quality, quantity, or size, which you have to take into account in a situation. Now, this is the meaning of a variable. And we can use variable, by the way, as an adjective as well, because something that is variable changes quite often, and they usually seem to be no fixed pattern to these changes. Now, here, let's link it to the context. Furthermore, although the early cards meet the demands of age and rarity, they usually lack an important variable, an important thing that can change in determining worth condition. That is the meaning of variable, and that is a new word for you to add to your active vocabulary bank. Now let's move on to the next word, pristine. P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, pristine. Let's take a look at how we use that in context. We said pristine cards are straight out of the package, perfect. Sharp corners, crisp edges, and brilliant colors. So what do we mean by pristine cards? Obviously, we mean something good, right? But what does it mean? What does it exactly mean? And my question is, which word could best replace pristine in this context? Can we use modest, incidental, remarkable, or unspoiled? Think about it, and I'll be right back with the answer. For those of you who thought unspoiled was the right answer, you're absolutely right, because it is the right answer. Pristine things are extremely clean or new, immaculate, pure, pristine, unspoiled, even if they're old, but they are clean and new. And of course, when you talk about pristine cards, that really counts when it comes to determining the worth of a card, even if it is old. If it is old and ragged and you can't even see the face of the player or anything written on the card, even if the player is famous and this card is a famous collector's item, it's not going to be as good as a pristine card. All right, remember the word pristine. And that was another word to add to our active vocabulary bank. Now let's move to the next word, indelible. I-N-D-E-L-I-B-L-E. Indelible. Now, of course, in the context, we're going to use it as an adverb, but the meaning is just the same. So how do we use that in context? We said even the tiniest defect indelibly labels a card as damaged goods. So even the tiniest defect indelibly labels a card as damaged goods. So what do we mean by that? Which word could best replace indelibly in this context? Can we use privately, permanently, without equal, or unfairly? Think about it, and I'll be right back with the answer. For those of you who chose permanently, you're absolutely right. That is the meaning of indelibly. If you say something leaves an indelible impression, you mean that it is very unlikely to be forgotten. So it is not just about, say, a permanent marker. 
Of course, you can use that for a permanent marker because you cannot remove it. It is indelible. But you can also say that about ideas, impressions, emotions, indelible. You can use this word. It's very powerful. And now we still have two words to go, vi and akin. Let's start with vi. Of course, it is spelled V-I-E. And by the way, if you want to use this verb in ing, remember to spell it as V-Y-I-N-G. I know that most of you know about that, but it's worth mentioning. So, vi, V-I-E. How did we use that in context? We said as collectors and dealers vie for choice merchandise, they speculate on players' futures. So what does that mean, as collectors and dealers vie for choice merchandise? I'll tell you what it means, but first I will ask you a question. Which words could best replace vie in this context? Can we use live lavishly, cause to appear greater, make note of, or strive for superiority? What do you think? Think about it, and I'll be right back with the answer. For those of you who thought strive for superiority is the answer, you're absolutely right, because that is the meaning of vibe. It has to do with competition. So when you compete, you always strive for superiority, right? If one person or thing vie with another for something, the people or things compete for it. So that is the meaning of vie. Remember, we're talking about collectors and dealers. They vie for choice merchandise. So they strive for superiority. And that was our word vie. And now for our last word for today, and that is akin. A-K-I-N. Akin. How do we use that in context? We said Putting money in baseball cards is akin to speculating on the stock market. What does that mean? Akin can best be explained as what? As having a similar character? As winning approval? Not openly practiced? Or excessively sentimental? Think about it, and I'll be right back with the answer. For those of you who thought having a similar character is the answer, you're absolutely right. Because if one thing is akin to another, it is similar to it in some way. It is analogous, comparable, or even similar. So that is the meaning of akin. And with that, we've covered 10 new words that you can add to your active vocabulary bank. Let me remind you again, these words are steadfast, unwary, plum, transfigure, inchoate, variable, pristine, indelible, vi, and akin. And we also talked about a very interesting story and a very interesting hobby, which a lot of people still have nowadays, and for some it's even lucrative. I don't know if you are collectors yourselves, I don't know if you've made any serious money out of it, but it's nice to have a hobby that can pay you handsomely one day. And now before I leave you, I will have to remind you again that learning from the podcast is great. And I hope everybody benefits the most from just listening. And that's very good. But if you really want to take it to the next level, you will need to practice these words so that you don't forget them tomorrow or next week. And to do that, I got you covered. I created a custom post for this episode, specifically for this episode, which includes the topic we talked about, the words, 
and more importantly, interactive activities that you can do online, digitally online. You don't need any paper. And for those of you who love paper, and I know that some of you do, you can download the PDF practice worksheet I created, and you can also find it in this post. The PDF practice worksheet includes interesting activities like crossword puzzles and some other spelling challenges and some multiple choice questions. And more importantly, it includes a review of the previous four word power episodes. So if you also want to review the words that you learned in earlier episodes, you can do that in the PDF practice worksheet. Now, with that being said, there's only one more thing to tell you about, of course. If you're still listening to this episode, that means you like the episode, you like the show, and hopefully you like me as well. And if you'd like to support me as a content creator, you can become a patron of the show on Patreon. There's a link to my Patreon page. You can take the link, go there, pledge any amount you like. And by doing that, of course, the entire learning community will be grateful, but you get more than that. You get exclusive content when you become a patron. First of all, you get to listen to the episodes without ads. And the next thing, of course, you get to listen to exclusive audio series that are available on the website. You get free coupons to some of my upcoming online courses. And you get unlimited access to all the video series that are coming very soon. But I will talk more about that later. With that being said, I would like to thank you very much for listening to another episode from English Plus Podcast. This is your host, Danny. I will see you next time.